The following lecture was delivered at the 16th Annual National Jewish Retreat in Miami, Florida, a project of the Rohr Jewish Learning Institute. We hope you enjoy it. We encourage you to visit jretreat.com for information on upcoming retreats. Rabbi Manus Friedman now presents his lecture, Shabbat, the Soul of Our Week. One of my kids was younger, around seven or eight years old. I heard him singing to himself. I heard him singing to himself one Shabbos. Shabbos, 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 you can't do anything. <laughs> Shabbos, 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 you can't do anything. That was his experience of Shabbos. Can't do anything. Can you do this? No. You're allowed to do that? No. <laughs> Shabbos seems to be about so many things you can't do. Rabbi Epstein, who's in charge of the program, makes all the announcements. A couple of years ago, the program was held in two hotels, run across the street from the other. It was, a, it was a confusing thing. Anyway, he works very hard, and uh, he ended up having his room on the 12th floor. So Friday night, when he was totally exhausted, he needed to go up to his room, but the electronic door was a problem. They didn't have the keys that we have here. So he asked somebody at the counter at the, uh, to meet him at his room on the 12th floor with a key and uh, they would open the door for him. So of course, the guy with the key took the elevator. He took the stairs. Right? So he gets upstairs, 12 flights, after a long day and hard work, and it's 2 o'clock in the morning. He finally gets up there, and the guy is waiting for him at the door. And the guy says to him, what is it today that you can't open the door? He said, today is our day of rest. <laughs> He's a funny guy. But really, what is Shabbos? It's a strange day of rest. What does rest mean? What, is it, what does it mean to be resting or at rest? For six days, God created the world, and on the seventh day, he rested. And of course, the obvious question is, where really, was he exhausted from the six days? <laughs> like, not really, because what did he do on the first day? He said, let there be light. That's all he did all day. <laughs> and there was light. That's not exhausting. And what happened on the second day? 
On the second day, God said, let the uh, waters gather, and, uh, and it was. That's all he did that day. So none of the six days were very exhausting, even if he wasn't God. So what in the world does it mean that on the seventh day he rested? The simple meaning is that when you're doing something that isn't your nature, then you are working. But when you do what is natural to you, you're just being yourself, it may be very active and it may be very productive, but you're not working. You're just being yourself. On Shabbos, we are not allowed to do anything constructive. If it's constructive, it's forbidden. If it's useless, go right ahead. So if you want to carry a mattress, a king-size mattress, up and down the stairs in your house until you collapse from exhaustion, that's okay. That's not working because there's no point to it. It's not productive. But if you adjust the thermometer on the, uh, on the wall, oh, that's labor. You're supposed to be resting. <laughs> Don't exhaust yourself. Why is that? And one other thing, labor, working, involves action, involves action. If you could adjust the thermometer with your voice, would that be okay? It's a voice activated. It follows instructions. Hey, Siri, lower the temperature. Not allowed, because speaking is a minor activity. It's an action. But if you could adjust the temperature with your thoughts, if you could bend spoons with your thoughts, that would be okay. In fact, if you can shut down an entire factory just by thinking, you're allowed to do that. Or turn on the entire factory. Why? Because thinking is not activity. So we know two things about the labors on Shabbos. Number one, it's got to be productive. If it's not productive, then you're wasting your time, but you're not violating Shabbos. And secondly, there has to be an activity involved, either a physical action or at least movement of the lips production of sound. But thought, if you can shake the world with your thoughts, that's okay, because thinking is not labor. So let's, let's consider what this is really all about. The Gemara says, 
In six days, God created everything that needed to be created. Everything. There was one thing missing, and that was rest. Menucha. When Shabbos came, Menucha came. Shabbos brought Menucha. Now it's said in a very passive, in a very passive uh, uh, language, God didn't create rest. When Shabbos came, rest came, as if it came by itself. The fact is that Shabbos introduced this thing called menucha, rest. So did something new occur on Shabbos? Yeah, because before that there was no rest. But is that considered a labor? Is that considered violating Shabbos? No, because it's passive, no activity involved. So what exactly is rest? If we use the word contentment, it might help us understand it a little better. Let's say God is creating the world in six days. On the first day, he said, let there be light, and there was light. Was God content? No. There were five more days of creation. So on the fifth day, God said, let the earth give forth animals, creepy, crawly things. Was he content? No, because he still hadn't created humans. So until Shabbos, there was no contentment. Shabbos introduced contentment. How did that happen? Well, without without an activity, without a labor. So it seems like it's, it's the result of inactivity. If you do nothing, you're content, which is not true at all. Because people who do nothing are not content. In fact, they're deeply frustrated. So what exactly is contentment? It doesn't mean an absence of ambition. It doesn't mean the lack of desire. That's too passive. Contentment is a reality. And it didn't exist in the first six days. So what exactly is it to be content? You have a job, for example. It's a difficult, taxing, hard-working job, but you love it and you are content to continue at your job. You may be a well digger. You may be a, a firefighter. but you're content. In other words, you're perfectly comfortable with what it is you need to do or are doing or... 
Contentment means I am perfectly comfortable with the mission, the purpose, the contribution that I am making. And it can be intense. What would a lack of contentment mean? I have a very easy job, very cushy job. I don't like it. I'm not content. So contentment is not completely passive or indifferent. It's a comfort. It's a level of restfulness that involves activity, but activity that comes natural. I'm just being me. Like the lioness is far more aggressive than the lion. And yet, the lion is the aggressive one, the lioness is not. Why? The lioness just does what is her nature to do. She needs to feed her cubs, she goes hunting. Hunting is a very strenuous activity, dangerous and all sorts of stuff, but she's only doing what a mother does. She's simply being a mother. Just don't get in her way. <laughs> that would be very dangerous. But you can't call that aggression because aggression implies doing something outside your nature, outside your comfort zone. Aggression means trying to achieve something that isn't yet. Whereas if you're maintaining or nurturing what is, no matter how much energy you put into it, you're being passive. You're simply maintaining your own. And you can do that intensely, and you are completely at rest. What does it mean to feel content? It's a rare experience. For example, there are moments when a new mother or father look at the baby, mostly when the baby is sleeping, and the feeling or the experience is, it can't get better than this. It can't get better than this. So if time stopped right now and this remained my reality forevermore, I would be perfectly content. Can't be better. In a sense, it's worshipful. What does it mean to worship something? To worship God. What does worship mean? If you look at something and you're thinking and feeling it can't get any better, that's worship. And that's why you have to be careful not to worship the wrong God. Don't look at something that needs a lot of help and think, whoa, can't get any better than this. 
it's going to bite you. It always does. Because a false belief, a false God, will always disappoint you. So what does worship mean? Worship means it can't get any better. Now, I know there are these commercials, or they used to be anyway. A couple of people, 30-somethings, sitting on the beach or on the pier, splashing water with their feet, eating potato chips, drinking beer, and saying, life don't get any better than this. <laughs> Fake news. Life better get better than this. <laughs> you're 30-something, you don't have a job, you're eating potato chips and splashing water with your feet like you're nine. It better get better than this. But that concept, commercials are brilliant. I mean, they're all fake and wrong, but they're brilliant. That sensation, it can't get better than this, is a very precious, important, and rare experience. But if we don't have it from time to time, we're not living. We're not alive. Because there's a difference between living and existing. You've heard of this, yeah? Existing means occupying your space, defending your territory, not allowing someone else into your space. That's what existing means. If you allow people into your space, you don't even exist. A book does not allow another book into the same space on the shelf. The book exists. So existence means occupying your space. I was here first. It's my place. Not very... Uh, Sophisticated, not very impressive. You just exist. But in order to exist, you also have certain requirements. To exist, you must eat. To exist, you must drink. To exist, you must take vitamin D3. I just found that out last week. In order to exist, you have to breathe. In order to exist, you have to sleep. In order to exist, you need a house. And it just goes on and on and on and on. And when you have all of these things, you have what to eat, what to drink, where to sleep, what have you accomplished? You can continue taking up space. That's all. And tomorrow, you're going to need to eat again, drink again, sleep again, breathe again. Nothing to be proud of. Existence is disturbing. It is the opposite of contentment. You cannot. Your existence does not allow you to be content. In fact, it's the beginning of all depression. Life is very different. Life means the effect that your existence has on the environment. 
your presence, your existence, does what for the rest of the world? You take up space means the rest of the world can't come into your space. But what are you doing for the rest of the world? Occupying your space and using up all those resources results in what? Your need for more space? Remember the comedian who says, why do we have houses? If you know the guy's name, don't ha you don't have to mention it. He says, why do we have houses? It's because we need a place to keep our stuff. Human beings have stuff. We need a house to keep the stuff in. And we put a lock on the door of the house to protect our stuff when we go out to get more stuff. <laughs> now you have a lot of stuff, you need a bigger house, you put two locks on the door to protect your stuff when you go out to get more stuff. And eventually you have so much stuff you can't stand it and you need to get away. So you pack up a tiny little backpack the fewest items possible, the least amount of stuff, and you go off to enjoy life. But after a week, you got to come back to your stuff. So what have you accomplished when you have all your needs, you have your space, in fact, you own the whole city, it's all yours, and you have plenty to eat, drink, Etc. Etc. So what? What is the result? The result is now you have stuff to worry about. Now you need three locks on the door. It is the beginning of old depression. Life, on the other hand, means my presence makes a difference, and it's a positive difference. My being, my occupying space contributes to the goodness of the world. That's life. Life means what effect are you having? You're having an effect. And you can have an effect no matter how terrible your existence is. Jewish history proves this because when our existence was at its worst, we barely existed. We didn't have a place of our own. We didn't have an army to protect us. We didn't have a culture even to unite us. We had no rights whatsoever. And our existence hung in the balance. During those times, we were completely, vibrantly alive. We produced scholars. We produced holy people. We produced charitable institutions that are mind-boggling. We made the world better when the world would not allow us to exist. And that's because Moshe prepared us. Before we entered the Holy Land, Moshe said to the people, we mentioned this before, 
Uh, don't think you're going to be comfortable. Don't think you're going to have a good time. Don't think you're going to have a good existence. You're not. You're going to come to the land. You're going to settle down. Uh, you're going to be thrown out. It won't last very long. <laughs> and you're going to be scattered all over the world, and you're going to be reduced to a fraction of your number, and, and it's going to be really, really bad. So what should we do? Forget about your existence. Be busy living. And it's amazing how much life you can invest into the world when your existence is meager, horrible. So existence comes in many forms. You can have a wonderfully comfortable, luxurious existence, or you can have one miserable existence. Viktor Frankl discovered that in a concentration camp, okay, your existence can't get any worse. You're a hair's breadth from death. Your existence cannot get worse. It's not your place. You own nothing. You have no rights. <laughs> you have no food. You have no drink. You have nothing. In a concentration camp, life can be so meaningful. What a discovery. But this has been the Jewish experience. If you want to describe Jewish history very briefly, of course, there's, they tried to kill us and they couldn't, so let's eat. There's some truth to that. Our existence is so discouraging, we don't care anymore. We're busy living. For most of our history, we barely exist but are we alive? Are we making a difference? Are we changing the world? Absolutely. I, even today, if you ask people at the United Nations, is there a Jewish state in the Middle East? Nope. Never heard of it. Doesn't exist. We don't exist. At the UN. What do they talk about every day at the UN? That it's all our fault. <laughs> so for people who don't exist, we're making a lot of noise. <laughs> what is that? When you relax your existence and you let your life lead you, your existence is almost indestructible. The less energy you put into existing, the more energy you have for living. Sometimes when a person is depressed, the best solution, the best cure is find somebody who's really in trouble and help them. And suddenly you're not depressed. So if you can overlook your existence, which might be miserable, and attend to life, which is always wonderful, you can overcome the worst existences and be fully alive. We practice this 
not only in history, but in the week. Six days out of the week, God says, make yourself comfortable. I created this beautiful universe. Make yourself at home. Do whatever it takes to make your existence comfortable. If the food is cold, warm it up. If it's too hot, cool it down. If something is broken, fix it. If something is missing in the house, go buy it. Whatever it takes to make your existence easier, do it. What does that mean? Right at the beginning, when God created human beings, God said, be fruitful and multiply. We all heard of that. But then he said, fill the earth and conquer it. Conquer it, meaning harness nature to serve you better. Which is really an interesting thing, a little off topic. Every human being that ever invented anything, that ever contributed towards anything, is serving God's purpose. So a human being wants to know, what am I supposed to do to serve God? If you are productive, you are serving God because you're making existence better. Whoever invented the electric toothbrush goes straight to heaven <laughs> with his toothbrush <laughs> because he made life easier for people. That's called harnessing nature, making the world a better place. It doesn't have to be heroic. You work in a factory and you produce a product that helps people live. You are serving God, not just yourself. That's a very different world, you know. Every day, seven billion people, more or less, do something to make the world better. Is this a good world? It's a very good world. So, we practice this every week. Six days out of the week, make your existence better. Whatever it takes. Cook and build and fix and sew. And... But one day, one day out of seven, leave your existence alone. That's what contentment means. Not content with life, because then you've quit. You're never content with life. Contentment means content with my existence. Whatever I have is enough. Whatever I prepared before Shabbos, that's what we're going to have. Nothing more, nothing less. It didn't get cooked, well, we'll do without. It didn't get bought, we'll live without it. It didn't get fixed, next week. But today, the day of Shabbos, I don't care. Whatever existence I have is perfectly okay with me. Let me live. Let me focus on what I'm here for, what I'm contributing, how I'm making a difference, how I am needed, who needs me, and how can I do more. My existence is fine.
That's worshipful. When you look at your life and you're perfectly content with your existence condition and excited about living and producing and increasing the goodness in the world, you are worshipful. You are worshiping. Doesn't have to be in a synagogue. It doesn't have to be Yom Kippur. That's what Shabbos is. Shabbos means contentment is the healthiest thing we could possibly experience because existence is depressing. So when you can be perfectly content with your existence, you are healthy. Shabbos has kept us much more than we have kept Shabbos. Famous quote. How has Shabbos kept us? Imagine some family in a shtetl, in a, in a, in a ghetto, miserable conditions, miserable. Comes Shabbos. They light the Shabbos candle and they don't care. They've got a little piece of herring, which they didn't have last week for Shabbos, and they have a little piece of kichel or something, and they're going to make kiddush, and it's going to be Shabbos. And what about their existence? They don't care. It's Shabbos, and we are on top of the world. That's what kept us. That's what keeps us. So Shabbos means I have more significant things to think about than my existence. That is such a gift. If we never again had to worry about our existence, we would be indestructible. We certainly wouldn't need antidepressants. So let's try this. We've got 24 hours. Give it a shot. Any thought, any concern, any distraction by your existence is not welcome today. It's Shabbos. I'm not going to talk about it, not going to think about it, certainly not going to do anything about it because it's fine. It's not because I, I'm not allowed to. The idea of Shabbos is not, I'm not allowed to. The idea of Shabbos is, I don't care. My existence got attention for six days enough. My turn. Now it's my life. Now I'm going to think about things that really matter. And that is contentment. Content with life without distraction by existence. So what happened when Shabbos came? God stopped working hard. He took a breather. Six days God created the world and made existence. On Shabbos God said, I like it. 
I like it. And that created contentment. So when God says, I created the world in six days and I rested on Shabbos and therefore you should rest, let's understand this in its proper context. Six days you shall work and on the seventh you shall rest. Why? Because six days God creates the world and on Shabbos he rests. You get the picture? God is saying to us, when I'm creating during the six days, help me out. Create with me. Make existence better. That's what I'm busy with, so join me. Six days I create, be my partner in creation. Invent an electric toothbrush. Invent seedless watermelon and other such great accomplishments. Make existence better, easier, more pleasant. That's what I'm doing. Do it with me. But then on the seventh day, God says, whoa, 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 whoa. Today I'm not doing that. Keep Shabbos with me. Today I am resting. Rest with me. Today I think this world is absolutely magnificent. Join me. Share that feeling. The world is magnificent. You don't have any shoes? Who cares? Don't have what to eat? Tomorrow. But today, there's someone who needs you. There's someone who depends on you. There is someone who loves you. There is someone who cares. Take care. Take care of those people. Take care of those relationships. And that's why Friday night is a very romantic time. Because your existence is perfect. Your only thought is, what's precious? What are you worshiping? Because when you're content, you worship. Make sure it's God. Worship with him. He worships you on Shabbos. Because you're great. Reciprocate. So you ready to try this? It's, it's really a good experience. It never hurt nobody. <laughs> Contentment. My existence and all that it demands is on hold. I don't care. I'm going to live. I'm going to live. I'm going to focus on what I am, not what I'm not. I'm going to focus on who I am related to, not who I'm not related to. I'm going to focus about things that make a difference so that my existence is perfectly justified. Then I can start the week all over again with new enthusiasm. So here we go. Light the candles, and all of a sudden, your existence is perfect. And then the rest is celebration. Have a contentful, restful, enjoyable Shabbos.
Please visit myjli.com to learn more about JLI's multiple educational offerings and toracafe.com to view highlights and lectures from past retreats.